Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to Spies and Lies, an espionage podcast delving into and analyzing acts of espionage throughout history, tracing the exploits of daring spies, covert operations, assassinations, hacking, secret organizations, and more. Co-hosted by me, Omri Rose, who spent his childhood living undercover, thanks to his dear old dad and co-host, Jason, a retired former spymaster of one of the top intelligence agencies in the world. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode, Moses' Spies, 12 of them to be specific. After hearing the report from the 12 spies and the fearsome, seemingly insurmountable odds they faced in Canaan, or Canaan, the Israelites raised their voices in anguish and cried out, If only we had died in Egypt or this desert! Why is the Lord bringing us into this land just to have us die in battle? Our wives and children will be taken as prisoners of war. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Back to bondage there, yes, but survival and not slaughter. Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Murmurs and the sound of mutiny and uprising growing, two of the spies suddenly raised their voices, Joshua and Caleb, tearing their clothes in despair as they implored the community with their words, The land we spied is exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This land is flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for we will devour them like bread. They have no protection. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But alas, the words fell on deaf ears. And when the Israelites' rage and fear turned to talk of stoning Moses and Aaron to death, it was apparent the spies had failed their task. And in that moment, everything was about to change. But how did we get to that moment, Dad? What happened to the Israelites in that desert and those spies? It's a very interesting episode. There's a lot of things that happened in this spy session, and I think it will be very interesting to discuss some later on. Absolutely. I suppose we should uh, start with some background so people know what the heck is going on. Who is this Moses guy? Who are these Israelites? And what is Canaan or Canaan? Or what the heck's going on? Well, let's start with the time period. This story, first of all, is uh, derived from the Old Testament. And uh, it takes place in the late Bronze Age of the 13th century BCE. So that's around 1300 before the Common Era. It is around the time of the Trojan Wars, to give you context of what's happening elsewhere in the world. Now, who are the Israelites? Well, the Israelites are the Jewish people who today are Jews around the world. And uh, back then, they were a bunch of different tribes. In this particular context, a large portion of them were enslaved in Egypt. Um, this is the story of, like, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and all that stuff feeds into that if you uh, are musical theater fans. But basically, Moses is a uh, Israelite 
who has come to liberate the Israelites from bondage from the Egyptians through miracles and plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea. It's all chronicled in the story of Passover, which Jews celebrate every year. And uh, the Israelites, having escaped into the desert and uh, heading towards the Holy Land promised to them by uh, God, uh, which is the area back then known as Canaan, they make their camp in the desert of Paran, which is uh, modern-day the Sinai Peninsula, around the area known today as Nitzanei Sinai, and also known as uh, Kardesh or Kadesh Barnea. Not uh, not a Kardashian quite yet, uh, right? No. Now, no, no Kardashians in uh, ancient Israel. No, no. Not, not 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 reality. No. No, but if they were, they probably would have a reality show for of themselves. Course. Yes, um, keeping up with the Kardashians and God. Uh, anyway, uh, Moses consults with God for his next moves. And uh, he waits to see what, what God's going to consult and tell him to do with approximately the two million Jews that have left the uh, Egyptian bondage. Our main players today are Moses, the big M. He, uh, he's a prophet, speaks to God. It's a, you know, like old school telephone conversation. Sometimes uh, God doesn't answer, but uh, he's the only one on the line. Uh, no one else does. Aaron is his uh, number two guy. And then our other main players are... Aaron is uh, his brother, of course. Yes, his brother. Thank you for uh, the biblical update there, Dad. Uh, Thank you. Very important. Family the, ties. Very family important. Ties. Family ties, yes. It's all in the family, darling. Yes. Um, so uh, <laughs> there's 12 spies, which we'll get to. But the important ones to, to, to note are Caleb and Joshua, who you could say are the dissenters of the group of the 10 spies. Then there's God, of course, and there's the other 10 spies, which kind of just form uh, one voice. All right, so the operation. Send men to explore Canaan. God basically tells Moses, You have reached the promised land. I'm obviously just paraphrasing. You know, I didn't, don't have the direct one, one-to-one with him. But you have reached the promised land, or the outskirts thereof. You know, you're a little bit here. There's a line over there in the sand. But Is he British? Yes, he's British. Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> Moses, uh, you're, you're, you're near the promised land. Um, but uh, you can't go in, not yet. Um, first, you must send spies to investigate the land and figure out what's going on before you, you march in there. Moses is told to send in spies. So he picks um, a leader from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 tribes of Israel. And so he picks a leader from each of the tribes to head out there into uh, the, the territories of modern-day Israel, back then known as Canaan or Canaan. You know, go spy, figure out what you can do. In fact, he says the following words. Moses isn't British, so I'm not going to give Moses a British accent. Don't worry, Dad. He says, Go through the Negev, into the mountain region. See what the land is like, and whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Do their cities have walls or not? Is the soil rich or poor? Does the land have trees or not? Do your best to bring back some fruit from the land. So far, so good? So far, so good. So far, so good. Okay. What What is interesting is these are not professional spies, and I'm sure you're going to touch on that. He picks one leader from each of the 12 tribes, or the 12 tribes each bring forth a leader. But these are not professional spies. These are people who... No, I don't think there was a professional spying professional those days. People didn't uh, just join an organization, the the Canaan Spying uh, Society or yeah, something well, like that. Well, the Israelites certainly didn't have a they spy didn't organization. Have anything they were just um, They were just wandering around. Recently, exactly. So. Now, yes, there were 12 spies. It's interesting to say about Joshua that he actually was the youngest of all of them. And he was the apprentice of Moses, and Moses trusted him, and he was sent as representative of his tribe. Yes. So the spies explored the land of Canaan. They explored it from the desert of Zin, which is uh, the Negev desert, to the border of Hamath. Uh, They went through the Negev and came to Hebron, which is a a real place. You can find that. So is the Negev. And in Hebron, they claimed to have seen the descendants of giants, who they named as Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, who uh, later appear in, in Bible stories and different things. They, they battle them later and stuff. Reaching the Eshkol Valley, which is um, kind of west of modern-day Beersheba, they take a bunch of uh, a grapes, a branch of grapes, and they say that they have to carry it on a pole between two people because it's so big. Now, if you get this uh, sense of scope of giants and big, we're building somewhere, don't worry. Uh, They also brought some pomegranates and figs from that valley, the valley called uh, Eshkol, which uh, is a bunch of grapes. And uh, that is the name of the valley because of this story, basically. So what came first, the the name or the grapes, the wine or the grapes? uh, Probably together. Probably together. (laughs) And a big old bottle of wine to boot. Um, So 40 days of spying. Now, I'm curious. 
40 okay. days. That seems short, actually. They're sent out. They go around. Then they have to come back. I mean, how much can you do in the 40 days if you're really trying to get around? It's rough terrain, rough this, rough that. Or is it long back then? I mean, okay, today's time standards, it might be long. But back then, what do you, what do you think? Well, first of all, it's interesting you mentioned the 40 days. Well, the 40 days... Not the 40 thieves. Different time period. Different no, area. it's a different... That's yeah. Aladdin, I think. Yes, that's yeah. something... I don't think Moses was involved with that one. No. <laughs> Moses decided 40 days. It's interesting why he decided 40 days. It could then be explained afterwards for the results of what the 40 days meant. Because it Well, had, their punishment later. And why was that the punishment? We'll right. discuss that later, yeah. if there's a punishment at all. So, 40 days. Is it too long? No. Is it too short? No. But if you look at the big picture, and now I'm coming into the nitty-gritty of the issue. The big picture is the nitty-gritty. Okay. <laughs> if you come to the nitty-gritty of the whole issue. Okay. Why actually did Moses have to really send spies? He didn't really, from his point of view, send the spies. He didn't need it for himself, did he? Because he trusted in God. Right. He doesn't need someone to tell him what's going on, if it's good or bad. He doesn't really care if it's good or bad. This is what he was promised. That's where he's going. He's not asking questions. His boss told him to go there, take the people. He's not questioning it. But he decided to send the spies because there's a bit of a rebellion on his hand. There's a bit of anguish by the people. Yes. So we look at the 40 days. There was a business about a snake earlier. Well, they, they had a... They were not sure about where they wanted to, to, to go. But 40 days, coming back to the, you asked me about 40 days. Yeah. 40 days is not too long so that people can they say, okay, let's go for six months. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. Let's go for three weeks. It's not enough time. 40 days gives you enough time for the, for the people to tour around the country or the spies to walk around and the people to wait and not start rebelling and saying, What's going on? Now, why Why did he send the spies? Because afterwards, it's very important how he presented the results of the spies. What did he do? He said, I want to send people from the tribes so they can see what kind of land they're going to go to. Why are they doing that? Because the people were not sure where they're going to. They didn't know why. The, what was waiting for them. And from his point of view, the spying was not for him. He has no real interest of yeah, what's going on. The spying is for the people to understand what's going on and for and their leaders to represent it to them. And right? that's that why as well, he could have said, okay, let's send five people. No, why did he send one from each, from each tribe? He sent one from each tribe because he wanted the support that every tribe will be part of this and will not say, well, we were not there, we didn't see, we don't agree, we like this, we like that, I like fishing, he likes uh, uh, snorkeling, he likes skiing on the, on the, the snow. there's a very nice river over there. We could settle over there. It'd be very nice. I know. it's a, There's even a golf course sometime. No, but I, I raise sheep. My sheep can't be by the river. They prefer the mountain. You know, every tribe had its own professionality. Sure. and, and was, So each one had something different. Right. So... If you look at the big picture, mm. the big picture is Moses didn't really need the spies to spy for him. He really needed the spies to go and come back with results. And the results were bring back something substantial. He says, if you can bring back something yeah. to show the people there is something there that's worthwhile going to. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at it again, this time of the season they went, they went, he could have sent them maybe a bit later, a bit earlier, but it was a time where there were, there were grapes growing. Mm-hmm. So he could show that the land is fertile. If he mm-hmm. would have sent them in a in a different season, they would come back with nothing. So you're saying that Moses is the OG spy because he's the uh, he's the real goat. Moses he planned it all. Moses is the man, you know? <laughs> Moses is the man. He's the man. He's the man. Now, Moses... But do you think Moses supposes his toes is a roses or do you think he Moses supposes erroneously? I don't think Moses knew at the time that they will do a poem about Moses' roses. Okay. But in this case, very interesting to choose leaders so then no one can dispute the results and that no one can say, well, this is just someone we don't respect. So, yes, did he choose the leaders? Did they choose them? But they all went out with the feeling that they have a mission to do. Right. What's interesting about the distances is based on the locations that they've given, none of them seem to have ventured north of like uh, the Jerusalem point. It's all sort of in the southern area of what is now modern day Israel, Canaan back then. 
So from a, a radius, they don't like throw an unbelievable thing like, and one of them went to high five back because that would be unbelievable to get there and back in time. So there's some credence, at least historically for the distances. And I imagine also that because we don't have all, they didn't have all cell phones and things and connecting with one another, you know, maybe some of them got back earlier, some got back a little bit later, but essentially Moses was saying, come back within 40 days, probably. It's not clear. And that's yeah, very it's not clear. It's, it's a very interesting point because the question is asked, did they all go together? It doesn't oh, like, say did anything. Did they travel in a group? Did they travel in a group? Huh. Yeah, because I, I never imagined they would. I thought they would spread out and each one kind of no, cover different grounds. No, actually, it actually it says they all travel together. So that's a very interesting situation where you have all of them together. Now, what was their mission according to what you you see here? Uh, Moses says, "See the land, what it's like. Whether people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Good land, bad land. Cities have walls, rich soil. There are trees, and then bring back something from the land." Okay, what is missing, do you think? I'll tell you what I think is missing. What about their safety and security? Why isn't he saying anything about, listen, guys, you're going on a spy mission. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to come and conquer the land. That's your objective in the end. What's your cover story? Why are you traveling there? Well, maybe Where are you trusted, going? He trusted them to do that. Maybe, but, no? it's, is that enough? I mean, I, I would expect one word, something about, hey, guys, what about our safety? I mean, I'm just traveling and looking around. Is it common for people just to wander around? I suppose in those days, maybe nomads coming in from the desert, traveling around was a something normal. Therefore, he has nothing to worry about from their safety and security because basically if they're spying, then they should be worried. Who are they? People are going to ask questions. So it's right for you to say, are they traveling together? If there are 12 of them traveling together, who are these 12 people? There's 12 men, good, strong, healthy young men traveling. Now, how do they pay for things? Did they steal the grapes? Did they buy the stuff? Did they? How do they travel? Well, they just found a tree with grapes and took it, or a uh, tree. So, grapes don't grow on trees, Omri. Very good. They grow on vines, yes. just if anyone's wondering. <laughs> yes. So, again, do they have currency? I mean, how would they have currency? They didn't have any currency, so their currency probably well, would have been— it was a barter system, right? So they might have bartered for different things. So they probably traveled with sheep or cattle— something to barter with. So that makes that it even could, more difficult. Well, it could have been their cover story that they're shepherds, you know, nomads and things, yes, which but makes sense. Now, that's interesting about the story because there's nothing is mentioned about it. Now, if you look about Moses, about what he's asking from them, he's asking them to report to him about what's going on. Correct? Yes. He's asking, please tell me what is the situation. He's not actually telling him, telling them how to do it. He's, he's not trusts, actually... Well, he trusts them. How right? can he... Tr just to... Tr I mean, what's interesting is what's not said. And that's what I'm looking at. Right. I'm looking at what Moses did not tell them to do. So or, you think he was purposely setting them up to fail? No. No, I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that there is some issues here that when you look at it from an espionage point of view, uh, they're missing. They're, they're, they're failed, flawed. They didn't give them enough they information. They didn't enough information or because... They wandered around for 40 days. We don't know, but we assume they all came together and they all left together and came together. And again, if you look at it from a security and safety point of view, you don't travel alone in these days, those days. One can get something goes wrong with them. And I would even put it out in this way. Do they travel with other people like uh, chevrons, with uh, butlers, uh, time to do the herds? Is it just 12 people or is it more than that? We have to assume it was 12 people, and that's yeah, how we'll said. keep yeah, – we're not said. So I would say for safety and security and for the cover story of traveling around, I don't think they went alone. I think they went together. So coming back, uh, the spies returned to Moses and Aaron, his brother, thanks, Dad, uh, and the tribe, and the spies give their report. But they don't give the report in private. No, 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 no. They give the report in public in public in front of the whole crowd, the whole tribe. Everyone's there. It's a big Megillah, as they say. It's a celebration. There's fireworks. There's no fireworks. That's that's much later. But there's noisemakers. And I don't know if there's noisemakers. I'm just saying it. But basically, they're here to listen to what's going to be said. And what is said is uh, a collective spies brief. And it's said by one or all or a combination of them. But they say, We went to the land where you sent us. Truly, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit. And then they show the fruit they brought. The big, huge grapes, remember, and the figs and the pomegranates. But the people who live there 
are strong, and the cities have walls and are very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak is uh, a word for giant, yes. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the mountain region. And the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan River. Now, this is scary stuff because the Amalekites were thought to be giants. That was the first people they mentioned. Unusually tall and strong, like six to nine feet, supposedly. And apparently Goliath's ancestors, if we know the, the story of King David and the slingshot and everything. And they were the ancient enemy of the Israelites because years before they were slaves in Egypt, they were in this land, the Israelites, and then they were captives. So they knew the, the Am Amalekites and they were afraid of them. They were, they were scary people. So this was a really scary report, okay? And uh, there's growing rumblings and concern. Oh my God, this this territory is so scary. It's so dangerous. And Caleb, remember one of our uh, spies that we mentioned? He quiets the, the growing rumblings and says, Listen to Moses. We should go out at once and possess the land, for we are well able to conquer it. But the other spies replied, We can't attack those people. They're too strong for us. And they spread sinister reports and lies among the Israelites about the land they explored, saying, The land is one that devours those who live there, and that the people there are descendants of the giants and the fallen angels, and that they felt as small as grasshoppers. And that's how we must look to them. Now, all is this to say, this was really scary to the people listening, who have been in the desert for all this time and were uh, slaves before. And so what happened? Well, the Israelite community cries out in anguish, loudly. They cry all through the night, and then they say, If only we had died in Egypt or this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Just have us die in battle? Our wives and children will be taken as prisoners of war. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt as slaves rather than be slaughtered here. Remember, that was my dramatization in the beginning. But before the mutiny erupts, a second spy, Joshua, up until now silent as far as we know in this story. He, he joins... Was, hmm? He was silent. He was silent. Yes. Silent and deadly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Joshua joins Caleb in his idea to attack Canaan, reminding of the covenant of Abraham that they made, promising military victory in spite of all the difficulty. And he and Caleb tear their clothing in despair, saying to the community, The land we explored is very good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. We will devour them like bread. They have no protection and the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid of them. Unfortunately, this does not go down well. The crowds are not impressed by this. They are worked up to a frenzy. And what happens? They begin discussing the idea of stoning Moses and Aaron. Stoning, one of the most favorite pastimes of people, I suppose, in the ancient times of killing people. Yeah, there was a Olympics for stoning. Uh, Olympics for stoning. Yes, there was. <laughs> the stoning Olympics. Yep. <laughs> hey, gold! <laughs> gold. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you lose, you get stoned. Is that how it works? You, you get stoned for other reasons. Oh, as well. I see. Um, so this does not go well. They discuss stoning Moses and Aaron and his supporters before suddenly God's glory appears before them as a shining light and he speaks to Moses and um, <clears throat> God is none too pleased with how events have occurred he chastises Moses and the Israelites and he says he should smite them down right now with plagues and then Moses ever the barter ever the uh, negotiator the negotiator he he pleads with God basically saying among other things that like listen God you know what, what will people think? If you kill us now, everyone knows you promised us the promised land. I mean, if you kill us, that what does that mean? You can't deliver the promised land? I mean, eh, what? not going to look good in the country club up there. Um, and uh, eventually God decides to uh, not kill them all at that moment, but instead to punish the Israelites by making them wander the desert for 40 years. One year for every day the spies were in Canaan. The idea being to kill off the generation of non-believers with only Caleb and Joshua being allowed to enter into the promised land, not even Moses being allowed inside. The ten other spies were then immediately killed by plagues that God dealt upon them. And, as Moses and the rest of the Israelites headed off to the desert to wander for 40 years, obeying God's plan, a small group of Israelites decided 
nah, this isn't for us, and they splintered off to attack Canaan. But they were warned by Moses that they would fail without God. And guess what? They failed. That's the whole story, as we know it, in, uh, in the Bible, the Old Testament. A few interesting facts to point out, which uh, you'll talk about as well, I'm sure. But in the 1970s, the CIA studied this topic under a guy named John Cardwell. You know him? No. No, not a friend of yours? No? <laughs> Don't look at me with that sinister smile of yours. Continue. That twinkle in your eye. <laughs> Um, anyway, so John Cardwell, um, he brought this up to, to discuss and some of the points that he made that I'm sure you'll maybe touch on as well. He said that we should use spies that don't possess political power, unlike some of the 12 tribes of Israel, you know, because if you use a person who has political power and political interests, their reports might be politically motivated rather than different things. You should not report publicly, you know, because that promotes grandstanding and, and the, you know, talking to the masses. Spies shouldn't be involved in the debate over the course of an action. The decision makers should be separate from the intelligent gatherers. Gather info, not evaluate it. That's the role of the spy. Um, another thing to consider is uh, the military challenges. Just I want to stress that the Israelites, they had no armor, no chariots, no horses, very few weapons. They'd escaped slavery now they were supposed to fight against giants? Giants, they say. What are they going to do? I mean, it, it was terrifying. You know, this grasshopper comparison, they, they thought they would be flattened and their army would be destroyed. Also, another thing to note is that the Canaanites had a reputation for treating prisoners horribly. Heads on pikes kind of things and internal screams and all that gruesome stuff. So there was a lot to be afraid of. First of all, let's look at what they brought and why did they bring what they did. They brought wine, grapes, that makes wine. Yummy. Yes. Red or white? I think it was red. I think it was what, what year was it? <laughs> Probably uh, it was a very 1300 good year. BCE. It, it was a very good year. It was a good year for grapes. It was grapes. a good year for grapes, especially the red ones. Yes. <laughs> so by bringing grapes to people in the desert, it was a message that look what is waiting for us. And here all of a sudden they bring the possibility of them having their own wine and fresh fruit. So it was significant for the people in the desert to see these things. So mm -hmm. there was a good idea to bring these fruit, and that's what Moses wanted. It was now, also the season, as you said. It was the season as well. That's why he chose that season as well to do it. Milk and honey, of course, milk and honey, what does it mean? It means there's greenery, there's grain, there's all the things that you don't have in the desert. All to show to the people, look, there's something worthwhile going to and fighting for. Now, very interesting was the reporting. Because, and that goes back as well, did they all come back together? You would think that Moses, if he wanted the report to be told just to him or spoken just to him, he would have summoned the people, had a meeting to hear what they have to say, and then speak to the people. Mm -hmm. But he felt that by bringing the, the, all the merchandise and the people coming back, all the excitement from them coming back, and what a great place it is, and that would be enough to get the people understand that it's this is the real thing and there's something to look forward to and we shouldn't go back to Egypt. So a big mistake was made by him, you could say, that he allowed this open discussion or open reporting to in front of everybody else. Yeah, so he should have done it in private. He should have done it in private and, and understand better what they want to say and then said what he wanted to say. But I think you were right in that he was probably hoping that this excitement would spread through this fervor exactly. and they would kind of go out. Because again, it. it brings back what we said in the beginning. He didn't send the spies for him. He didn't need it. The people needed it. They needed it. They needed it. He, he, for him, he didn't need the report. So he didn't wasn't interested in it. Yeah, because just to... The people, as we mentioned earlier, they had been doubting and questioning God and Moses. And so there there was, as you said, murmurs of dissent and frustrations because it's, it's tough, you know, and yes. uh, it's very tough. Now, if you're looking at the reporting, another mistake that Moses made, you could say, or, or in this story, and that is very interesting and, and actually was mentioned by this gentleman from you mentioned from the American agency, is that the people who reported are not supposed to give an assessment. He asked them not to tell them how he can, they can conquer the place. He just, give me a report what you saw, what you see. So there's facts, and there's, there's actual, assessments. And there's assessments. Yeah. Now, of course, there wasn't a, a whole uh, unit of assessors in uh, the tribes there that were now going to analyze it and, and decide what they want to do. So what happened was, 
you would say that the people who were there, 12 people, they can decide what to say that they saw and as well to make their assessment of what it means. In today's world, obviously, the people that bring the information are not the people that always assess it. Right. You have so you have divisions. to different divisions to do it because you have to understand because you're too close to the information or you're biased or you don't see the big picture. They were tasked for one thing. They were tasked to give, uh, to explain what they want to do or what they see. Moses didn't ask them, tell me how you think we can conquer the place. That wasn't the task. Or if it is even conquerable. Or even, or conquerable. No, he didn't ask them for that because he, from his point of view, he didn't need that. Because he knew he, it was. Because he knew that was what's going to happen anyway. He didn't need it. So again, it comes back to the original story that Moses really didn't need the spies for himself. He needed for the people. But then knowing that, you know, knowing that he didn't need it for himself, he had been with these people. He should have kind of foresaw that potentially this would have turned the opposite effect, right? I mean, he could have said, maybe it would have been smarter for me to get the intel anyway for myself first, and then I can deliver it to the people in a way that would be the most positive, rather than leave it up to chance that maybe they'll say the, the news in the way that I want it to be said. Yes, and that's and that's a flaw in this, this story. In Moses. In Moses, all the way it was presented. You or it was say. all part of a bigger plan, potentially. Yes, and then it comes back to the 40 years, or the 40 years, or the 40 days of the spine. Right. Now, why 40? Because 40 in the old days was a generation. I mean, people by the age of 40 usually were, they were not like today, your your young young 40s. 40, you're ready towards the end of your, your productive life. And by having the figure 40, that means that, all the people that had memories of Egypt, of how it used to be, and some of them probably lived quite a, didn't live in the desert and running around eating matas all day. They remembered what it used to be. They had to get rid of that generation. Yeah, the, and that the generation, the generation, generation that, that thought that, that, maybe that, it's better for us to go back to Egypt and be slaves than have a difficult time fighting. Yes. It wasn't so bad to be a slave. I mean, you had a roof over your head, so it was a little hot, you know, but the soup was great. Oh, those yes. soups. The canadal, the oh, matzo, my wife the made the canadal. Oh, oh, that was soup. amazing. That soup. Yes, exactly. And the pyramids, beautiful. Well, uh, fine craftsmanship, well, the best. Well, it depends where you're standing when you're building it. <laughs> but, oh, I fell down. But that's, that's... It's a big long you had slide. To get, you had to change your generation. Right. Now, you're talking about Caleb and, and Joshua. But even they also gave their assessment on the information. So they also were not good spies in the sense that they also gave their assessment. Yes, but this is, uh, I would say, uh, the quality of, I would say, the leadership or the quality of, of what happened here. Because they had a different opinion. Mm -hmm. And they were allowed to voice it. It could have been the reverse. It could have been the 10 spies saying how great it is. And the two saying how terrible it is. The fact, if you're looking at it from a point of view of, of leadership. So it was egalitarian because everyone could voice their opinions, even the dissenting voices. Yes. And I think as a leader and as a manager, to have the ability of saying what you have to say was a very important episode in, even if you look at the intelligence world, that you are able to voice your opinion, even though the majority of the people that saw maybe the same thing like you did, think differently. That's a very important lesson for intelligence organizations that allow people to express their opinion, even though most of the people think otherwise. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not sure what the boss wants or what the, the agenda is of the leader or whatever, whoever is responsible, that they're allowed to say what they have to say, is a very important lesson even in those days that it happened. And that is something that should be not taken for granted. Well, history is full of, of stories, and even today's world is full of stories of tyrant kings and rulers that anyone giving a dissenting opinion, even if it's the correct thing to say, you know, is fear afraid of the repercussions. You know, there's the famous emperor's new clothes, you know, where everyone's afraid to tell the king because of what will the king say, you know, and... So speaking openly is a very important trait to have, but it's also very difficult and scary because, you know, if you tell something against your boss or, you know, someone who has power, especially in this time period where that power can end you physically, you know, completely. Um, yeah. So 
the ability to speak openly is very important. But you say that, but then they were threatened with being stoned. But I suppose that's the anger of the crowds. Well, it wasn't stoning the, it wasn't was, the leadership was a national was a national sport. Yes, you know, they it were was very a, good at it. Good. Stoning was you know stones were the best thing that were moving around. Yeah. Like, but on on the serious side. In my opinion, Caleb was the most was the bravest one of them all. It is interesting. I think Caleb is much more interesting in this story than um, Joshua, and it's it's funny, funny. You know, it, it's curious that Joshua later becomes the leader who who is in charge. When based on this story, anyway, you would think that Caleb would be the one. Well, Caleb was the one that was the first one to confront the you would say all the rest of the other leaders and to say his own opinion. To I assume. Caleb and Joshua knew what Moses thought and his opinion about things and were happy that this is possible to, to achieve. But we don't know that. But the fact that he was willing to say what he was he's saying, and remember, it's, it's a matter of tribes as well because they represent different tribes. Yeah. He was representing the tribe of Judah. So very interesting um, elements here of, of, of leadership, of as a leader, what you allow your people to say and how you say it. And it's not only allowing the people to speak, but that the people who say something that don't agree with you, do you punish them? It's not nice to say, but the people that didn't agree with Moses got punished. Is that a good lesson? No, I'm not sure that's the message from this story, is that if you go against what your boss said or against the doctrine of the government, then you immediately get... Uh, uh, banished and uh, it's a very har- it's a very harsh God, the Old Testament God. He yes. uh, he he it doles out punishments left, right, and center, and is a very demanding God. Well, it's, no. it's 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 a it's tough. It's, it's tough times, but it's an interesting story because a lot of elements in it that could be analyzed, and a lot of elements can even discuss them these days because it has a lot of what happened then is relevant to what how things are run today. So I think this is a very interesting story from that aspect. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. So, what went wrong? What was correct? What, if, if anything? Well, if you look at it from the big picture, you got rid of all the riffraff. You got, <laughs> you got rid of all the elements. You didn't want them to join because they not, were not problematic. Exactly, not exactly a success in espionage, maybe a success in the larger plan, but. Look, from the espionage point of view, they came back with the results that Moses wanted in some ways. What is the result? He wanted to show the people that there is the, the land is worthy. The people were afraid because there, it wasn't empty. But from what the land were big, the, scary giants. Yes, there are giants in the sky. Yes. yes. So there's a lot to be afraid of. Right. But on the other hand, if you look at the symbol of the tourism industry or the Ministry of Tourism in Israel, it's the two 
spies carrying um, the the grapes. The grapes. Interesting. That is the symbol of Ministry of Tourism, the land of milk of honey, and we refer Israel as the land of milk and honey mm-hmm. because of that. So the spy element was very important. Not the land where you get stoned. No, the land of stoning was actually somewhere else. It was a bit south, south there. That's okay. part of a different story. Isn't that South America, the land where you get stoned? No, I don't want to go into it. Oh, okay. So that's one thing you, you can learn from it. I would say from an intel point of view, if you think about the basic facts, not the outcome, but the facts of intel gathering, they gathered all the information that they were intent on gathering. They suffered no casualties. They were in and out, and they brought back all the information they needed. The fact that it was interpreted in a way and then acted upon in a way that was unfavorable um, is kind of irrelevant in some ways to the fact that they actually succeeded in their intel gathering, their spying. Right? It was the analytic, analytic aspect of it that failed because they were not 100% with Moses about believing that they can be delivered to the promised land. It wasn't about the job. It was about all the time challenging Moses. Is it real? Is it true? Are we really going to be able to go there? Is, it, is there something behind it? If you look at it from the point of view of the evidence, they brought the evidence. They showed that it's worthwhile being in this country. But the analytical side of it, about what does it mean and how can we do something about it, that's where Moses was not prepared because right. that's not part of the spying. Well, it is part of the spying. It's, you know, it's well, like if you say that like cooking is, is just cooking the ingredients and not like the presentation of the food or where you get the ingredients from, you know, you could argue that cooking is just the cooking but no it's it's also where do you get the fruit from how do you present the food after it's cooked all that stuff look so, if you make a nice steak and they're giving it to a to a vegetarian it's not going to help that's true right that's true. so you made a nice cook you made a nice dish it made a, the best products but the guy is not interested to eat this food the guys were not ready to eat the promised land with all the stuff that was in it why because from their point of view they're not 100% sure that this guy can deliver. So that goes back to what I was saying. Maybe this was all part of the plan. You know, part of the plan, send these guys, speak it out in public. They'll be crazy. We'll do this whole show of, oh, no, and then God will come along and then we'll get rid of the riffraff because they've been dealing with this stuff since they left Egypt. So maybe this was all part of the big plan to, to cleanse the generation, to give them a little bit of info, a little taste, keep them going for the 40 years in the desert and then come back. We have to assume that is the plan. Otherwise, why is it written in the way it was written? Well, it's presented as a mistake. It's presented as a lesson to learn from and to not question God, right? Because it's presented in a way that if only those 10 spies didn't question God and believed fully and told their tribes to go in there, then obviously they would have succeeded because God was on their side and they wouldn't have had to wait those 40 years. That's at least the way I read it is how it's presented. Well... We have to take, in this case, we have to go to the Bible and for the religious uh, audience uh, that may be listening, we should not question this element of it. If you look at it from a historical point of view, then you could argue that there was definitely um, an advantage to, to, let's say, culling your population to leave those that were more vigorous and young, hardy, you know, survive the desert for 40 years. Yeah. Like, let's let's remove God from the equation for a second and, and look at it purely yeah. as historical facts. Your spies come back and show and tell you that there's a tough land with tough enemies. I have all these people that escaped Egypt. They've been in the desert. They're soft. They're old. They're this. I don't know if I can take them, especially if we remove God from the thing. Maybe, maybe I need to spend some time away, train for 40 years, Live in the desert, make our people hard and tough people, and, and then hungry we can come back. and hungry to go yeah. into the land that has all this good yeah. stuff. I mean, if you and if they you, don't, and don't, and it's so close. Why go back through the through the desert and then cross the river, cross the, the yeah, and not remember uh, slavery? You know, yes. Why go back there? So, in the big plan, yes. But if we're looking just analyzing the spy episode, many interesting questions that yeah. come with it. How would they have been gathering intel back then? Any ideas what kind of methods they might have been using? Well, they didn't have WhatsApp. They didn't have WhatsApp, that's true. Though that's not secure either. <laughs> I know. Just with their eyes and ears? Look, you could recruit agents. They, we could have asked people. But they don't people. do that, right? No, they're not, they're not supposed to do that. That's one of the things that was not asked by them to do. They just were supposed to look and report what they see. Not what they, they see and they hear. 
That, that is it. Now, there's an interesting episode that we'll explore, um, also a biblical period, which is actually Joshua yes. coming back, yeah. where he does recruit agents and things, and we'll explore that and how yes. that's been a much more effective tactic. Yes. So they've learned from that. Yes. So we talked about selecting agents, uh, the who and the why. Is there anything you want to add to selecting agents? In those days, you just they just couldn't select someone that has no knowledge. Because if you look at it, if you think about it, the information they were supposed to gather was from various different fields, buildings, communities, people, agriculture, finance. So you had to pick people who understood these things. So everyone that they had to choose, he had to be not just a, a peasant. It wasn't just someone from the once you're from the street because there was no streets. Not someone from one of the tents. Okay, who's who's uh, who's available? Let's just let's just choose him. No, they had to take the people that leaders in the community who had a bigger understanding of what it what they, what they see and understand everything. So yes, they had to choose people who as well will be accepted by the community that their word will be accepted so, so in some ways the selection process was very compromised by the needs of appeasing a lot of different um, groups and the necessities of the mission itself and that's why they had to choose they couldn't say okay let's take 10 people and two tribes won't mm. no every tribe had to give someone in 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 a you would say in um that was high ranking they couldn't just send someone um, and then say no he, he wasn't the right guy we can't trust him no that's why it's important, and that's why it's interesting that actually they mention the names of the people yeah. to show the importance of them. Because otherwise, they could have said, "Okay, they chose uh, twelve people." But look about, look at it. How many times do they actually mention names of people, random people who just went to do something in the Bible? It's not too often they do that. So there was, it was... Uh, well, they, they mention people pretty regularly, but... But not in that way. Not, not, that way. not in that way, where it's like, here's a list of all the people from all the tribes, and you're never going to hear from them ever again, but here Correct. they are, so you know. <laughs> yes. And it was important for someone to write it down. Now, if they wrote it on a tablet, on a stone, and they had to work on it over 20 years, just to... I don't know. Because mm-hmm. probably on a papyrus, and they read it out. Papyrus, yeah. Yes. Well, on a bit of toothpaste. <laughs> I don't know about that. No? Okay. So did they have any, like, would it have been beneficial to have them um, look for uh, specific questions to answer? Or was it good that he gave general kind of guidelines, look at what this is, look at what that is, and, and give them the ability to report in a more general manner? Or should it have been more specific? I think we mentioned the most important thing was bring me the evidence. I'm not, I don't need it for myself, basically, Moses is saying. I, I, but I'm giving you the guidelines. And it's clever of Moses to say what he did. That's why in the beginning I mentioned the things he didn't say more bother me than the things he did say. Right. Like, why did he say, and be careful not to mention that eventually you want to take over the place? Because that would be the first thing he would say. What does it hurt just for him to have said one sentence, just make sure that uh, they don't know where you're from and that you are Hebrewites who are trying to come back to the land? Mm. You would think that that would be like, the f- and then go and do something. Why, why wasn't it mentioned? Right. Um, why not more spies? Why just the 12? I mean, we know why 12 for one for each tribe, but why not two for each tribe? First of all, we, don't, we, we assume there are only 12 because we mentioned before. You know, it could be more, be, but it says know, it was 12. So We have to assume it was 12. But, but is there a, a tactical or reason why you might want to send more? Well, then you're already looking at 24 people going around. That's already a little bit longer. So, and yeah, it's, to, it's bigger. It's harder to be incognito. You know? And, you know, they have to eat. It's, it's like it's a, a mini invasion without even starting. Yeah. In the, One of the things they are saying when they came back from touring the country is that this country is a country that you would say eats its people. If you go back to the original reporting, not yes. eat. Yeah, yeah. Could they you say, could mention, um, this land is one that devours those who lives there. Yes, they devour those who live there. I would put a twist on that and say, this land, even to these days, if you think you can just sit here and enjoy it, you are mistaken. You always have to fight for this land. There's always someone who wants it. And maybe that's the meaning that 
This is a land that you have to work to stay in and not just be there and enjoy being it. You have to understand that this place, you have to fight for it all the time. Good lessons to know um, for for living your life as well in, in your own place, wherever it may be. You know, if you want to live your life the way you want to live your life, you have to stand and fight for your principles and who you are and what you believe in. But yeah, it's an interesting thought. Maybe this is a warning for the generations to, to people in this land of milk and honey that uh, it's a land that devours. So be careful because people want to devour it because it's delicious, milk and honey. Mm, so good. But also those that are there to work hard because there's many peoples and the challenges and if you look at the history of the land it seems pretty accurate that it's been a pretty turbulent turbulent place yes it is well that's our show of uh spies and lies and moses's spies and i will just leave you with the words of the big man in the sky himself or woman or entity speaking to Moses after the Israelites showed their contempt how long will these people treat me with contempt how long will they refuse to trust me in spite of all the miraculous things I have done among them how long must I put up with this wicked community that keeps complaining about me your bodies will drop dead in this desert all of you who are at least 20 years old and who complained about me will die I swore an oath to give you this land to live in, but none of you will enter it except Caleb and Joshua. You said your children would be taken as prisoners of war. Instead, I will bring them into the land you rejected, and they will enjoy it. However, your bodies will drop dead in this desert. Your children will be shepherds in the desert for forty years. They will suffer for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies dead. For forty days you explored the land. So for forty years, one year for each day, you will suffer for your sins and know what it means for me to be against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I swear I will do these things to all the people in this whole wicked community who have joined forces against me. They will meet their end in this desert. Here, they will die. And that's Spies and Lies, ladies and gentlemen, ending on a very optimistic, positive note. The benevolent God of the Old Testament, not so much. This is more the fearsome, terrifying God of the Old Testament. Not to be read before you go to bed. Not to be read before you go to bed. Thank you very much. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. This was Spies and Lies. Thanks for listening. Spies and Lies is a Grumpy Golem production, with original scoring and mastering by Julian Dussault. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to share with your friends and leave a comment or review wherever you listen from. If you have any questions or subjects you'd like for my father and I to cover, drop us a message and we'll do our best to get back to you. Until next time.